1: Subscribe on iTunes at Podcast. Great. Thank you for taking some time here to join us.
0: Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, not at all. uh,
1: Not at all. Yeah, I was uh, saying to my wife uh, how, uh, you know, because we're big fans of lacrosse. And, of course, we go to tons of Whitecaps games as well, big supporters of MLS. And you try to go to the Canucks as much as we can, but it's just not as, you know, it's just not as cheap, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just as exciting. But, yeah, so I was saying just how excited I was to talk to you. Um so yeah I guess we're uh, right to it. Um it's on everybody's mind still cuz we're we're still kind of in it. Like how how have you uh you know fared during uh, work, covid. You know like what a c- couple crazy years, right? Crazy years. Um probably the toughest in my
0: I'm uh, 28 years in this business and uh most of it in uh, MLS in the last 6 with the national across I don't think I've ever, um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in my career. I mean, we we were we were absent of games for 21 months before we relaunched uh, before the NLL relaunched back in December. And just dealing with all the, you know, it's not just the canceled games, but we trying to get back to play and. Every state and crossing players over the border had different protocols. It was just enormous,
1: enormous. It took a toll on a lot of us for sure. Of course. Yeah. And as uh well, I guess now former NLL commissioner, uh, how close were you guys? And I guess just kind of pro sports in general, how close was it to like shutting down teams and like, we can't continue to not make money. Like how how does that play out? Did the league help out with teams at all, or uh, we weren't we weren't close to that?
0: Um, I mean, I guess had we had to shut down a second season, I think that might have been under contemplation. But uh, right. the NLL has strong ownership. Very, uh, that's the beauty about having strong owners is that they can take. Uh, take the hits but one one thing that we did in helping out each of the teams was we we sold two expansion teams um during the the shutdown and those the, that revenue coming in the league actually had a record year in terms of revenue in the door even oh. though we didn't play a game so it was a, it was a bit of a kind of um an odd, uh, it was an odd, it, I mean, we worked our butts off to make that happen, but because the league brought in so much revenue in expansion and other ancillary revenues, we gave a lot of relief to the teams that way. So the teams, you know, could focus on their, you know, on their expenses and not have to worry about the league, but we right. actually had a really good year revenue in 2000, in 2021. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you could say that, you know, your biggest impact with the league would be, you know, the expansions. Um, Ideally, how many teams would you like to see in the NLL?
0: Well, my goal was always get to 30 eventually. Um, Wow. Fortunately, I I won't be there to see that happen, but I think that NLL should become a 30 team league someday within the next decade or or 15
1: years, call it. Right. And, and how odd was it to, to have fake crowd noise for sports, pro sports. And, you know, as a fan sure felt weird at the start.
0: Um, well, we never did. We never played in that environment. And I, I don't know. It was weird watching games with no fans in the stands. And, um, Yeah, nobody likes to see that. The fans are such an important part of a live sporting event. The most important part of a live sporting event. And uh, it was kind of, it was really odd. It was bizarre. It was almost uh, a little spooky, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, it almost just doesn't even feel right. You know, it's almost like a movie or something, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Mask mandate's now gone here in, in British Columbia. It's nice, you know, with the Vancouver Canucks and, We get, uh, uh, of course, lacrosse and and, and every other pro sport. Um, Did you pay attention uh, much to today's uh, uh, NHL uh, trade deadline? Do you keep up with that stuff? Yeah, well,
0: I'm here at the Coyotes, so I'm seeing all the moves and all the press releases here locally. Um, So I'm I'm aware of what we did today, but to be honest, I've had nothing but back-to-back meetings today with staff, and we're focusing on our next nine remaining games and our move to Tempe next year at ASU. And there's a lot, there's a lot of
1: work to be done here. Right. I, I guess that's why you didn't have us down for today. You're like, what is going on? Let's, well, no, I one I, more meeting.
0: When, it, when we confirmed the meeting, I must have blanked out and then I didn't see an invite come over. So it didn't populate my,
1: my calendar. So it's probably
0: my fault. Huh? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, how much, how much goes into uh, doing an NL NLL expansion? Um, like, is there things behind the scenes that maybe regular fans wouldn't realize is happening? Oh yeah. Everything's behind the scenes, you know, s-
0: the negotiations, the development and cultivation of the market, and the and the owner who's ultimately going to buy the application process, the negotiation of all the agreements. That's principally all behind the scenes. Um, yeah, so uh, I think <laughs> you could probably write a book on an expansion city. And each one is different, unique. Um, you know doesn't matter big market small market uh, sophisticated owner you know that is other sports properties or just a standalone owner they all have their uh, unique characteristics and it's um it's not easy work for sure but but we we got two of them done in the middle
1: of a pandemic so i'm really proud of that effort that's for sure yeah that's amazing and and what is an average day for you nick Or does that even exist? There is no average day. Every day is different. Every day
0: has an agenda that starts early in the morning and ends late at night. And, you know, at the league office, it's different work at the league versus being here at a team. You know, I spent most of my career on the team side and team operations and running teams and uh, running uh, local operations The league is very different because you're overseeing multiple teams um, and you're more of a governing body than you are a operator of a local business in a marketplace. So
1: the, the jobs are different, but equally as taxing. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it is. Uh, And and you're mentioning you go, you'll you'll go beyond uh, the managerial roles, let's say in sports, like talk about your time playing pro soccer and then Hmm. you basically i mean you basically helped launch the mls in in the mid 90s
0: yeah um i played for almost seven years as a professional player Um, signed my first contract in france as a young 21 year old and then played um a season there and then went to Portugal and played a season there, came back to the U.S. I played one season of indoors in New York. Um, and then I finished my career in Tampa for the Tampa Bay Rowdies in 1990. So I guess, I guess it was probably eight years. Maybe I I played on and off in the eighties. Soccer was a tough sport to make a living at. So we didn't play for the money. We played for the love of the game. And, Mm -hmm. um, Then I retired at a young, pretty young age, um, 29 years old for a soccer goalkeeper is young. And then the opportunity to join Major League Soccer came along a few years, years later, and I joined the league um, as part of a very small group of executives. To start Major League Soccer.
1: That's amazing. (laughs) There's a few guys like, hey, we should probably start a league up. Yeah, well, it wasn't just a few guys. It was Robert Kraft and Phil Anschutz and
0: John Kluge and Stu Sabotnick and some Lamar Hunt, the late Lamar Hunt in Kansas City. So they weren't just a few average guys. They were above average and in every way on and off the field. And right. then the group that put together with Alan Rothenberg as the founder of the league and Randy Bernstein and Kathy Carter and Ivan Gazidis and Sunil Gulati and myself was part of that group. We had some terrific other people that joined us, and we launched the league in '96 as our first
1: season. So, wow, not being a soccer league in North America—that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. And so, uh, as a player, obviously, you know, success is is you're kind of that's what you're you're going for and you're kind of going for it as well in the managerial side of things, which is, which is it tastier when you're playing and winning or when you're managing a team and winning? The feeling is the same. Um, the, uh, as a player, you have
0: more control over the outcome than, right. than you do as you're off the, off the pitch and managing. So I, I prefer the playing part because you have more control over the outcome of the game. Uh, that was the hardest part of getting used to being on the executive side. When I first became a, an executive was understanding that when that whistle blew, I had no control over the outcome of the game.
1: Right. You can get in the best guys possible, but even that doesn't mean. No, victory. the best guys always win. The best teams win. The best group of guys don't, doesn't always win. Right, uh, Nick. You you announced uh, that you're stepping down as the NLL's commissioner and still helping in a kind of advisory role till the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What's next for you then? Have you got it mapped out, or is it just like you just needed to some time? Or yeah, well, it was it was
0: no, it was announced a couple of weeks ago. I was joining the Arizona Coyotes, and I'm sitting in the Coyotes' offices right now as the chief business officer. And we're looking to revitalize the Coyotes brand and build a new arena here in Phoenix. And that's why I came here. So this is a long-term thing for you. This, listen, I'm 28 years in the business, and this is probably a five to 10-year project. So okay. as much as energy as I have at my age, I'm not sure I want to be working um, that
1: much long, outside of 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No kidding. Right. All right. Well, let, let's, uh, let's get outside of sports and, and what you're known for. I'm curious when you find the time, what do you, what do you binge watching lately? What are the shows you can't get enough of? I, I don't watch much TV to be honest.
0: Um, yeah. What I do, it's um, Yellowstone. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a really good series um, that I've been, been, been I guess if you can call it binge watching, but I've never sitting in one place for more than an hour.
1: So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I think Yellowstone's my favorite right now. Yeah. Uh, what was the, what's the music like in your house as a kid growing up? The kids are out of the house. No, no. I mean, as you, as a kid growing up, like what are you growing up? Yeah. Like what are you, what are you listening to? What are your parents playing? What are your friends playing?
0: Yeah. 80s is the best decade ever. So a lot of 80s. You know, um, Queen, Rolling Stones. um, Gosh, there's so many good ones. Santana,
1: great 80s music. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get to the 70s and 80s were probably the best time for music. And that's probably because they needed to actually be able to play their songs well. Uh And also just kind of a different time. You know, you talk to anybody that's even 20, 25 years old, they don't remember a world without cell phones and yeah. and the capabilities of jumping online and finding anything on the internet. It's a totally different world. Yep. What, totally what was different. your first concert that you went to? My very first
0: concert was a Ted Nugent concert at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey. <laughs>
1: nice.
0: that will <there'll> be touring, <laughs> what, uh, Stranglehold? 1977, maybe 78. Okay.
1: So you're a teenager at that point.
0: Yeah, I'm uh yeah, I'm uh 17 years old.
1: Okay. What any anything stand out from the show? (laughs) I know I lost my hearing for a couple days afterwards. That's about it. (laughs) That's amazing. And it's amazing that he's still today, present day, still making music. I know. Yeah. uh, we know we know you know your love of, of sports probably doesn't end where where you are do, do you uh do you get into like watching MMA fights like UFC and Bellator and all that yeah my sons and
0: I we, we love MMA we love UFC fights and yeah we're into that any chance we are together and there's a fight on we're watching it together yeah
1: yeah that's great I love I love fight Who who's your favorites yeah. Favorites. Oh, favorites. Um,
0: they're, I just enjoy like the big matchups. So I, I guess Conor McGregor is kind of my favorite. Um, I have a European culture and a background and I, I kind of get him a little bit from a European standpoint, but, uh, Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, I just that like he had with
1: Poirier and he broke his leg. No, I didn't see that one. Whew. Oh my God. Like how the pain of that, even with the shock value, would still go like, Holy man, what is going on? Um, Nick, what's the worst job you've had? The worst job I had probably my very
0: first job in high school. I was, it was a summer job. Um, and I worked for a large produce company and I was stuck in a giant warehouse that was refrigerated. Um, and I was separating the uh, bad produce from the good produce. So the good produce went out to the shelves. So that was probably
1: my best, my worst job. <laughs> stinky, stinky worst job. Are you, a, are, are you a gambler? That summer, I would
0: never have a job I hated to go to.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, are, are you a gambler? Uh, no, I'm not a gambler yeah me neither oh here I will yeah um no, i don't all right i'll i'll ask you a couple more and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up Again, thank you again for for taking some time here today nick um you tell us a near death story where you were like holy crap i could have just died there <laughs> Well, this one's a true
0: life one so i'm a cancer survivor i had uh had leukemia I was diagnosed with leukemia thirteen years thirteen years ago. This May, I'm sorry, um, it was January, um, but this May, I officially was cured thirteen years ago. So, during the process, during the it's it's actually leukemia is a very survivable disease these days because of all the modern science. But what they put you through is like hell, and most people die from the treatment not the disease and um there was one time uh, I was like deep into the treatment where I went walked to the bathroom and and went to the bathroom and came back to my bed and I almost didn't make it and I nearly passed out it was a pretty
1: horrifying experience but thank god I I didn't so wow wow Maybe the toughest I'll ask you only because it's probably going to be really hard for you to pick, but of your sporting career, like can you nail it down to one career highlight?
0: No, no chance. There are so many. The journey has been amazing. You know, the ground, the launch of major league soccer in 96, the uh, success that we had in Tampa leading the league in attendance and Being uh, one of the flagship teams in the league, Um, that was great success. Then the groundbreaking in New York and getting Red Bull Arena in the ground, uh, that was a tremendous day. Um, Almost winning the – well, we won the Eastern Conference Championship in New York. Um, That was exciting. And then going to Philly and breaking ground on another stadium in Philadelphia, bringing soccer to the Philadelphia – marketplace, uh, bringing Major League Soccer to that city and leading that effort, building that stadium, founding the Philadelphia Union, um, revitalizing the NLL. You know, when I took it over, (laughs) wow, 30 league, that was nine teams going to seven. Um, It was just really, you know, we did triage there in the early days. And today it's a 15 team league and on its way to 16 teams are really proud of that accomplishment. So a lot of great moments, Todd. A lot of great moments.
1: Yeah, I mean it's amazing, right? That's what i was saying. It's probably the toughest cuz you I don't know you, you probably couldn't pick one even if you had to.
0: Hard to Not pick one.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks again for uh for jumping on, Nick. You're at NLL @nllcommish on Twitter. Are you are you keeping that handle? Um it's mine, so
0: I'm going to keep it. I go there I like to keep up the Speed with what's going on with the National Lacrosse League. I wish it nothing but the best, and I'm forever a fan of the league, and uh, will continue to help in any way. I told the board, even you know, when my consulting gig is over, when opportunities arise, I will, uh, I will always bring them to the league. I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for the National Lacrosse League, and um, yeah, so I'll just, uh, I'll just maybe put it on. On a hiatus, and just check
1: it from time to time to keep myself abreast of what's going on in Lacrosse. Okay, well, at least we know where to find you. Thanks again, sure. Rick. Have a great day. Thanks again for jumping on, and uh, and we'll see you online. The Toddcast podcast on Hancock.ca.